G'day mates, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond and this is the show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone. Today I'm chatting with Erin Scammell. I've known Erin for about 15 years now since we first met down in Dunedin at, at university. And it's been a few years actually since I caught up with her last, so this chat is a little bit about reconnection, but Erin has a pretty cool story as well. She has spent a lot of time moving around and and taking opportunities and exploring her curiosity, so we really get into the weeds on that actually, about uh, how she looks for opportunity, how she approaches different opportunities and, and different challenges. We also talk about her new business, The Stolen Stylist, um, and for those of you listening, you thankfully it's an audio format, so you probably know that I'm not the most stylish person out there. So grab a few style tips from Erin today, but we also talk about how developing your own personal sense of style can help you when you're taking on challenges, when you're trying to overcome uncomfortable situations. And it's it's quite an interesting thing, actually. So I hope you guys enjoy that one. We talk about how Erin balances being a mum and a, and a new business owner as well and what that looks like for her and what that entails, as well as the, the challenges and the doubt and, and everything that goes on with, with starting something new. So Erin talks us through what's going on for her at the moment as she, as she tries to, to build and grow her, her business. I want to just take a moment to just mention that this episode is brought to you by Uncomfortable Media. Uncomfortable Media is the company that I've just started up just to to deliver some more services for people trying to get out of their comfort zones. One of the first ones that I'm doing is a workshop here in Wellington on the 13th of October called Surmount. And basically it's aimed at people who are a bit stuck at the moment and whether that's a little bit stuck in a rut and not knowing what direction that they want to head in or whether it's you've got a good idea and actually you're you're just overwhelmed with the discomfort of, of starting. So through the workshop, we're going to identify strategic areas for you to get out of your comfort zone, create a plan or a path about how to do that and also incorporate all the different strategies that you might need for overcoming roadblocks or navigating through the discomfort or kind of working around obstacles. So that's in Wellington, 13th of October. And as well as the workshop, the team down at Floatwell uh, have given us a few floats as well. So you'll get, uh, you'll get a couple of floats along with the workshop so that that can just help you process uh, all the uncomfortable stuff that, that goes along with taking on any challenge. So if you're looking for tickets for that, head along to surmountcourse.com. That's S-U-R-M-O-U-N-T course.com and you can grab some tickets there. But thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with Erin and I today. Erin, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. How are you doing today? <laughs> Great. Oh, always great, Matt. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Now we've I was thinking about it the other day. We've known each other now for about fifteen years. Oh yeah, it's, no, been, it's, a, it's been a little while actually. Um, since yeah, since university and I think I was introduced to you originally as Taz. And you probably knew me as Dezo. And yes. <laughs> I think it would have been a, maybe a little while before we actually figured out what 
each other's real names were as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. I think some people in Dunedin still don't know my real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people that I went through uh, physio school with, like it was a couple of years after we finished, and someone called me Chris, and this person was like, <laughs> is that your real name? Yeah, I wasn't born Dezo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting though. But that's a really weird segue just to start things off. But Erin, I usually like to kick things off with just a little bit of background about you. So, I mean, yep. where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah, well, of course, as you knew me back in the day, it's Taz. And that's because, and some people don't actually know this either. It's pretty obvious, though. It's because I'm from Tasmania in Australia. And so I grew up in Hobart, did my schooling there. And then after I finished school, I moved to NZ, which is, Spent 12 months on the North Island, and then I moved on down to good old Dunners, which is where we met, obviously. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then I had a lot of hop skipping and jumping for the years to come after that. I sort of then lived from Dunedin, I moved to Melbourne for a bit, and then I lived in Wollongong where I completed my studies, and then I moved to Sydney, and then I moved to a little old town called Roxby in the middle of South Australia, um, which is a mining town, because there was an opportunity to get some work over there, which... I took and then I moved from that role to working for a regional newspaper. I had my own column called Robertson's Rambles. I don't think you can even find it online. I don't think it was even like online was still a new concept back then. Yeah, and so I lived there for a few years and sort of lived in the far north region of South Australia and I did different things from, from teaching to media and so on and then moved to Adelaide, which is where I am now. And yeah, and I, I taught a little bit and then had children and I, I started a business that sort of came about from the realisation of what I've been doing over the last decade. Even back in Dunedin, I had, you know, people would be like, help me get dressed and, you know, in Wollongong, help me put my makeup on. And since then, friends over the years have been like, can you sort my wardrobe out for me? And I didn't realise that these were all signs to lead me to where I am now, but then I sort of opened my eyes up and really focused on being present after I had the kids and, and sort of listened to myself. And actually, for the first time in a long time, because I was, as I said, hop, skipping and jumping everywhere, I really took that chance to listen to myself, be still, be present and make a decision about what it was that I wanted or needed in my life. Yeah. So, and then that sort of brought about the Stolen Stylist. Awesome. That's a, that's a great synopsis, actually. And I, and I yeah. want to talk more about the Stolen Stylist but I want to jump back in, into the past a little bit as well. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of moving around that you did yeah. there. I mean, people often find that kind of thing quite uncomfortable. Like, with your first move, was that hard for you? Do you remember? The first move, did you say? Yeah. Well, yes, it was. Of course it was because, you know, you, you're pushing the boundaries, you're changing your environment. But I really thrive on being uncomfortable, I guess. I really thrive on pushing the boundary so that I am out of my comfort zone. I always have said that my favourite place to be is a new town or city or location where I know nobody and I've never been to that location and I just walk around exploring. Being that barefoot tourist, I guess, in some ways is, is what I absolutely adore doing. So being uncomfortable for me is, is kind of fun, I guess. Yeah. I get a bit of a thrill out of it, which is, I don't probably not... The normal thing that people feel when they're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that that's exactly what I agree with. That that is, yeah. it's a fun thing to do, and I mean, it's yeah. it's not always fun at the time, but um, looking back on it afterwards, it is. It's definitely enjoyable, and it's de always a good experience. 
And I mean, I think barefoot tourists in Dunedin, you probably don't get too many of them. It's a little bit, yeah, a little bit cold, but also when we were at university, there was probably a bit too much broken glass on the ground as well. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Erin, like, if we go back even further than that, yep. so you've always been good with, with getting out of your comfort zone and, uh, and being uncomfortable. Like, when you were little, is that what you were encouraged to do or...? Um, my parents always encouraged me growing up. I always knew that when I finished school that, that I was going to spread my wings. My parents encouraged me to do that. I think, you know, as a school kid, we, we all have our, you know, I think awkward moments, I guess. Like, I know that when I was at school, although I loved school, I was certainly an awkward teenager at times where it's like you're not really sure about yourself or your social group or where you stand and all those sorts of things. And that was always something that was challenging for me. Although, you know, Peers may not have seen it like that, but internally, that's how I was feeling. And then as I spread my wings, I sort of, as you know, Chris, I'm quite a loud, chatty person. And as people listening to the podcast will notice that as well. <laughs> but I, so I've always found it easy to, to meet people, I guess. But then I, you know, I suppose I get uncomfortable in the sense that I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, am I being too much like me, you know? And, and so then it's a matter of understanding that. So, yeah, pushing it back further. Yeah, there were uncomfortable times during my childhood based on how I was feeling, but I was always taught to to push push the limit and give everything a crack, you know. So I, I played lots of sport, I played lots of instruments, although I was terrible at the music. I did all of these different things because my parents were always like, you know what, give it a go, you know, you do your best and, if, and that's fine, you know. So I was always, yeah, definitely encouraged to, to push the limits, I guess. Yeah, always up for a challenge. Like an, another thing that I'm getting out of that is is the curiosity with it as yeah. well. That as well as kind of pushing your boundaries, it's also about exploring your curiosity and figuring out sort of what you would like to do. And I think, as you said, you've kind of blown around all over the place, exploring <laughs> things and exploring kind of different ideas that you were that you were curious about in terms of kind of work and life and, and geography. Is there a kind of something that drew you to each next step? Yes, definitely, of course. I mean, I sort of, I suppose in, in a lot of ways, I was always quite open to, to opportunity. You know, when I finished school, I was won a position at as a tutor in a boarding school in Hamilton. So that sort of, that was the segue from school to, you know, working in New Zealand. And then when I was in New Zealand, I was like, oh, I, I don't have to leave if I don't want to. I quite like it here. I do love New Zealand. So why not stay? So instead of going back to Australia for studies, I started my studies in Dunedin and I got into Knox and I was like, this is great. This is so much fun. And on an occasion, my mum actually said, oh, why don't you come back to Australia? And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know, so, and then and I came back to Australia and I still to this day don't actually know why I left because I was having so much fun because I didn't actually go home because I didn't want to go home. I then went to Wollongong and <laughs> continued my studies and the similar sort of lifestyle that I was leading in Dunedin. And then I got a job in Sydney and, as I said, there was time in Melbourne. That was just sort of while I waited to move to Wollongong after Dunedin. And that was just an opportunity in between. And so, yeah, there, there, so it's just when I saw that there was a time to go, I took it. And when I was in Sydney, I was, you know, I was working at Foxtel and I also had a bar job because living in Sydney is expensive and you're trying to maintain that. And then I just started looking for opportunities to work abroad or elsewhere within Australia as a nanny because I just felt too young to be so serious in a marketing type role. And then I got a gig in a place that I'd never heard of. I didn't quite have the funds together to 
catch a flight to New York or London or Paris at that point. So I went to Roxby, but I'd never heard of this place. I was like, where am I going? I'd never been to South Australia. And I thought, sure, let's go. And as I crossed the border, I said, things aren't normal here. <laughs> it's, it's, something's not quite right. And the, the, maybe that abnormality that I felt when I moved, when I crossed the border into South Australia was what kept me here. I don't mm, know. You like the South Australian weirdness now? Well, I kind of married a South Australian weirdness. <laughs> okay, so short answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. One thing that you mentioned there is quite interesting to me is that you kind of you knew when it was time to go. Yeah. Time to change. Yeah. Like, what what sort of feeling do you get coming up to the point where you know that it's time to go? Well, I suppose it's a really my my intuition might be quite loud. It may have made some wrong decisions over the time, but I feel like it's not never made a wrong decision about where to live because I think every location that I've lived has provided, I suppose, learning experiences and opportunities that wouldn't have happened had I not been there. So I guess to answer your question, Chris, why, whether or not there's, you know, something that guides me, I would say, yeah, it's probably intuition, opportunity. I see something I like and I go. Mm, okay, cool. <laughs> and that's where we sort of are now. Like I, I've found a place that I'm, like we're living on a property at the moment, and I've, but I found an area in South Australia that sings to me and it perhaps because it reminds me of, Tassie in New Zealand, it's the closest thing I can get and not that I want to be out of South Australia for any second, but yeah, the little town called Stirling, so that's sort of where I'm banking towards at the moment. That's the next one, but it's not the end. <laughs> no, 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 awesome. And, and I think like moving around, I, I've moved around a reasonable amount when I was growing up as well and I think like it's really easy to get caught up in a little bubble if we just stay still and mm. if we don't go out and explore and go and kind of try new things that if you're just kind of sitting where you are and even if it's sort of within like I, I live in Wellington at the moment and it's quite easy just to sit within a bubble and kind of think that hey this is the way me and my friends do things so this is the way that everybody does it but actually 2k up the road people are doing things doing things differently and I mean that's one of the it's one of the benefits of living in new places and kind of going and exploring is that yeah, maybe it's uncomfortable to start with, but massive learning opportunities in terms of, hey, the way that I do things isn't the only way. That There's a lot of different ways that people people live and some of them you kind of look at and you think, oh, actually, that's a heap of a better way to do things than I, the way that I do it at the moment. I think it's invaluable in terms of kind of moving around and having that diversity of experiences in terms of shaping who you are as a person and kind of leading Absolutely. you down different paths. I, I definitely think that my experiences have, I mean, and everybody's experiences work together to create the individual, which, which is why we're so unique individually, like each and every single one of us unique, which is why meeting people I think is, is key to life and you know, you can only grow by learning other people's experiences and attitudes and the way, as you were saying, Chris, the way that we do it is different. Like 2Ks up the road, it's different. 200Ks, 2000Ks, you know, everyone's doing it differently. How we do it in Australia is different to how you do it in New Zealand. And the same with Adelaide and Sydney and, Mel you know, different locations have different cultural impacts that affect the individual. And without experiencing the world, like I think travel is so key to life. And even if it's within your own country, as you said, you're getting to learn the different things from different people in different places. I just, yeah, makes me really excited and, and happy to think about 
you know, the next place that I can go and explore. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's next on the list for you? Well, moving to more of a family home, I guess, as a starting point, uh, even though we're in a home now, obviously, but one that I, you know, we're choosing together with our completed family because I've got all of our children, no more children now. So we're, we're, our family is complete. So the next one will be a family home. So that'll be nice. But speaking of family, he's just starting to kick off. But in terms of a holiday, the next one I'm hoping to hit, hit up Europe in a couple of years. That's the aim because I've got family from Croatia, which is maybe why my maybe genetically I'm geared for, for relocation because my mum was born in Croatia and came to Australia when she was, you know, five. So maybe that's sort of where it came from. I don't know, but I'm hoping to go and see my my relatives that are over there in the next couple of years because you know they're all getting older and the opportunity doesn't present often and. Speaking of opportunity, and as you were saying, my parents are going to Italy, and I thought, well, I don't speak Croatian. Mum does. Italy neighbours Croatia. So mm. maybe that's our opportunity to go and get my husband and children to meet my relatives over there. Trans- like Mum can communicate with them, but I can't. Yeah. I think that's a, that sounds fun. You would definitely enjoy that. But, Erin, I think like if we if we step forward a wee bit, I mean, you were you were talking about your kids before. You've got four kids, and other than kind of being sort of the apples of your eye, one other thing that you mentioned before we started recording is actually they afforded you the opportunity to stop and ask yourself some more questions as yeah. well. Can you talk through kind of what was happening at that point? Obviously, not Absolutely. like the sleep deprivation and the the nappy changes, but. <laughs> kind of the thought processes so when willow was born so she's just turned four so i have four children under four and willow was born you know four years ago and during that time she sort of didn't sleep terribly well during the day so i spent a lot of time walking with with her in the pram and currently i'm talking with the youngest in the pram and i'm sort of rocking him while i talk to you so when i was walking around I, i was thinking a lot about what it was that i was doing in life and where we were and what i wanted wanted to be doing I made a conscious effort to be present and really think about where I am as an individual in terms of emotions and what I can give to other people emotionally and in terms of support. And I started meditating at that time and I've always been into yoga. So I, you know, tried to up the ante there a little bit and found sort of a new direction for myself because I knew I didn't want to go back to teaching or media or any of the things that I'd done in the past. And my husband is a bit of an entrepreneur, so that sort of inspired me, I guess. And from that point, I thought I wanted to do something in the style industry. And since then, it's come about. So after each child, I was, you know, when feeding and doing all those sorts of things, I think I thank my lucky stars to to have been able to be a stay-at-home mother for those years that it, so I could be there for my kids and also be granted the opportunity to, to really think about what it was that I was doing. So after the third one was born, I so which is Pippa, so Willow Fred, Pippa and her baby. So when Pippa was born, I was able to put in the time because I'd, I'd developed the idea, putting all of my website together and start marketing and then figuring out what how it would evolve. So start pitching ideas and and so now I'm, I'm a working mum and my kids come with me where, where they need to because they have childcare one day a week. And so like right now, for those who can't see, obviously, Herbie's just on my lap and he's a part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. And 
I think with with that as well, Erin, is that I mean, as you're saying, you you had the the privilege and the opportunity to be able to go and, and, and do that, and I think like that's something that in our adult lives is quite hard to do at times, is to stop and and take the opportunity mm. to think about, hey, is this direction that I want to that I want to be going? Is this kind of exactly what I want to be doing? it's quite easy just to get caught up yeah. in the drift and kind of drift along and slowly get more and more uncomfortable with the situation that you're in, but not to understand why it's uncomfortable for you. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think, I think it's important for people, like, and I know that, you know, if you're working full time and if, if you have a family on top of that or other commitments, it, it can be tricky to find the time to, to, to be present but I think it's really important for people to find a way and it might not be through meditation and yoga like I did it might be it might be by just reading a book outside or going for a walk and clearing your head because I suppose the book might be a bit of a distraction actually but, but clearing your head finding a way in each day and if it's only 10 minutes I know I said this to my sister she's got a, a her youngest is only a week younger than Herbie and she was finding herself you know a bit bogged down in the early weeks of, you know, being a new mum, which we all find that. And I just said to her, get out. When Hubby gets home, go outside for 10 minutes, go for a walk, clear your head and allow yourself the opportunity to think through what you're doing, why you're doing it, be grateful for it, and then figure out what sings to you, what makes you happy. And she's actually starting her journey as well. She's starting a journey in finding her new pathway. But that would be my advice, Chris, to people to is to think about finding that time in their day, even if it's in the morning before you wake up, lay in bed for an extra 10 minutes. Don't doze, but lay there and be actively engaged in your presence and have that moment to yourself. And then get up and do all the other stuff that comes in your day, but but try and find that 10 minutes a day to just be present and be a little bit selfish because it's important. You've got to love yourself first before you can love anyone else completely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. And I think... Uh, the more you're kind of self-aware and the more that you that you like yourself, the more of yourself you can give to, to other people. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true because, you know, might struggle with the mundane nature of a job that they don't like or, you know, they might be stuck in a situation. But giving yourself that privilege to, to chill out and, and reflect, as you said, self-reflection is, is definitely key. Yeah, yeah. And going through that period, Erin, were there any like questions that you felt that you asked yourself that you found like particularly helpful? I think it was the whys. Why do I want to, you know, change my job? Why do I want my job to be something I enjoy? And my children obviously came first in answering this question. Me that both my husband and I can equally push the limit and get uncomfortable and do something that's risky that might not work but hey guess what if, if we pull it off that's awesome too you know and I think that as you said in the beginning of the chat Chris that when my, my parents were always like you know what just give it a go you know give it a go sort of thing although they are also people that are like get a get a reliable job and do something safe and they're also of that sort of era I guess that you know, took the other stuff, you know, give that sport a go, play that instrument. And I'm like, you know what? I will. I'll give it a crack. If it doesn't work, who cares? We live life once. Why not live it to the fullest and get uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I very much, uh, very much agree with that. But yeah, sometimes it's much easier said than done when you're kind of facing down some of that fear. I think that's, 
you're right, Chris, but I think it's difficult to do that. I think you can do it in baby steps. You don't have to do it as, you know, wildly as I did it, where I'm like, right, I'm moving here, I'm moving there, it's going to be all crazy and stuff. But you can do it little steps, like maybe join that yoga class that you've been wanting to join, but you're scared that you might be not flexible enough. You know, give it a go. That's one small step. You can do those sorts of things, and you never know where that will lead. You know, or it might be learning an instrument or it might be, you know, jumping on a plane and going to another part of the country or, or world, you know, little steps. You don't have to do them huge. They can be tiny. Exactly, um, yeah. To a tea. Be wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, like, one of the concepts and the ways that I think about it is that it's like progressively training yourself to slowly expand your comfort zone, that you, you take those small steps and every time you take those small steps, you you kind of strengthen that muscle of getting out of your comfort zone and you build confidence and you build motivation so you can take slightly bigger steps as you as you go forward with it. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Like, as I said, do go to that class that you've always wanted to go to. It might be learning another language or something, you know, more academic related instead of physical. And if you go to that class, you learn that language or that skill. It could be a sewing class. And then from there, you might sew your first, you know, T-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I can't sew. <laughs> but you might you might learn to, to make something from that. And then you, there might be a business opportunity or an opportunity to meet somebody or you know, definitely small steps first for those that don't want to, you know, take huge risks because they can definitely be scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Erin, I, I want to talk about the stolen stylist with you now and kind of most mm. most people will probably know that I'm not the most fashionable kind of guy. I'm a sort of a jeans and a t-shirt kind of guy. My wife would, I think, definitely prefer that my fashion sense was different at times. I've got this you know this Hawaiian tie eh, that I that I like. <laughs> And, yeah, she she tolerates it. That's perfect because, do you know what? When you wear that, you feel good, right? Oh, definitely. Then that's all that matters. That's my idea with fashion because fashion is so out there at times in many, many different ways. And, and I, I certainly encourage to do things that feel good, which is how the Stolen Stylist came about. Basically, I sort of, you know, the, the capsule wardrobe has been around actually since the 70s. And if you don't know what that is, Chris, it's basically a foundational wardrobe predominantly for women, but men men can have one too. Uh, well, they do have one too, but I, I focus on, on the women's wardrobe. It's a foundational garments in your wardrobe that you can interchange at any time of the year and get dressed easily, right? Um, and, and I suppose it takes the stress out of getting dressed in the morning. I mean, I don't know if, if your wife gets worried in the, at any time whether she doesn't have anything to wear, you know, it's a common catch cry for women to say, I have nothing to wear, yet they've got a wardrobe full of clothes. Often it is, again, like whether or not it's getting uncomfortable, it's simplifying things. So whether it's trying that new skill with your wardrobe, it's just taking those small steps. So I focus on wardrobe edits and tailored shops to and workshops now to help people get dressed easily and feel good because it's all about if you look good, you feel good, you know. You don't have to look super stylish. You don't have to be the most trendy person on the planet because, you know, that's not for everybody. But most people want to get up, get dressed and and feel good about how they look, you know. Because I, I know that over the years, particularly the last four years, my body has changed significantly and then a lot while having children. And, and I just learned, I, I used to compare myself growing up, you know, to my sisters because I was the bigger sister, I was taller, broader, and I'd compare myself to them and I'd compare myself to friends who were shorter than me and smaller than me and I always, you know, and then I realised, what's the point? Why feel those self-criticisms when you could just feel good 
and that's what I want to help other people feel as well, you know. And I know it's through, it sounds quite, you know, simple really, but, but it, it is. It shouldn't be complex. It should just be as simple as feeling good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, like, we, we definitely overcomplicate things in our lives at the moment is that we, we think that to feel good, that it needs to be hard and it needs to be, yeah, it needs to be complex and there's this kind of secret hack to it that if we mm. find that then everything will be just go swimmingly for the rest of our lives. It doesn't have to be complicated. As I said, it can be, and, and you, it can be quite simple. I, based on the capture wardrobe that was designed back in the 70s and has evolved through that time, I have developed 24 garments, including shoes and accessories for a woman's wardrobe so that they can just go there pull it out, get dressed and go. And then you can worry about the important things after that. You don't have to worry about the clothes you're wearing because it's not important. Feeling good is important. Mm, mm, yeah, and I think that's, like, that's a really interesting concept to me as well is that, I mean, you have kind of a certain amount of decision-making capacity during the day that, and if you're thinking about what you need to wear like for a, a large chunk of the morning, then that kind of reduces yeah. your ability later in the day to and, kind of come up with good decisions. That don't fit well or don't look good or you don't feel good in them, you're going to be self-conscious throughout the day. Whereas if you can pull things out and, you know, power dress, I like to say, then the rest of the day you're going to feel confident and you're going to tackle things in a way that you wouldn't if you were feeling uncomfortable. It, not in the, like, physically uncomfortable, not in terms of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. You might be able to have those uncomfortable circumstances by the horns a bit better if you remove yeah. that discomfort that you may otherwise experience. Yeah, I've got this inner thigh chafing going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely not what we're after in terms of discomfort. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's yeah. It. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's really interesting. And, I mean, there's a lot of science out there around that as well in terms of kind of uh, how you feel affects how you're going to act and what you're going to do and, and kind of... Your... Absolutely. And one of the scientific research, one thing that scientific research has found is that when we meet somebody, within that first three seconds, an opinion has already been made of us. Mm. So yeah. if you're dressed inappropriately or in, in a discomfortable, in a way that creates discomfort... I don't want to use the word uncomfortable there because it, it sort of goes against what we're trying to say. If, if you're not feeling right in your clothes, you're going to present yourself in a different way. So the way people meet you will be different to what you might actually be like if you were in clothes that you were comfortable in, you know, that gave you the confidence to, to grab those uncomfortable situations by the horns, as I said. So that's something that I, I like to point out. If somebody's already made up with you within the first three seconds of meeting you definitely and, and I mean sometimes even before you have a conversation with them and talk to them they kind of see you across the room and if you're something where you're feeling comfortable in yourself you're feeling confident then you're going to move in a lot of a much different way to the way someone else does and I mean I get paid to analyze people's posture so it's a bad yeah. habit of mine so you can see when people kind of aren't standing comfortably and aren't standing you can see that there's a lot of stuff going on for them so exactly. I think it's a really a really awesome tool and kind of skill for people to develop yeah definitely because it, it, it as you said across the room you can see somebody who's got it together and they may not necessarily have it together but they, they feel good hmm. you know and helping people feel good is a part of what I do you know that's that's my main focus and same as you and uh, 
with pushing those boundaries of comfort, I think, in terms of what you're saying, Chris, getting uncomfortable, getting out there and giving it a go, because then that will actually come around on itself and people will have that confidence to be like, you know what, I did that. I can I can get out there and I can do this too, you know, because I, you know, I think it's important to push those boundaries and, and feel those levels of uncomfort that you're talking about while feeling comfortable in their clothes so that they, they can really tackle any situation mm. through experience and how they physically feel as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if, if we kind of shift gear a little bit, Erin, in terms of starting this off and starting off the stolen stylist, like what challenges have you faced getting this going? Well, I think the immediate challenge is sitting right next to me here on this chair, my little <laughs> My children, it's been difficult because my family are all still down in Tasmania and Lockie's family, the closest family, is about four hours away or three hours away. And so for me and Lockie together doing our both of our businesses, it's quite quite a challenge to try and get to, you know, emails and client meetings and events and other things that crop up when we've got four children. So the balancing act or the juggle, as we all like to call it, is definitely difficult at times. Um, they only go to childcare, as I said earlier in this chat, they only go to childcare one day a week and Herbie's with me all the time. I like them to be moving before they go to childcare. So because of those preferences that we have as a family, we it gets definitely challenging to try and balance everything. That would be the primary thing. He's here on my hip yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's looking pretty happy there, enjoying he, he, being a, a podcast guest. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Like, are there any strategies that you put in place to kind of create that balance for yourself or, again, you kind of go with your intuition on it? Yeah, so I suppose strategy is just trying to structure my day where I can organise both parts of my life, so both my private life and my professional life. So it's trying to make sure that I've got time to sit down for at least an hour. So a lot of work gets done in the evenings after they've all gone to bed. And, you know, we try to make sure they're in bed by 7 o'clock each night. So that way, you know, we can sit down and attend to the bookwork side of things. A lot of communication with collaborators, letting them know that I've got a child that will be coming along with me. And most of them are really accommodating of that and accepting of it. And a lot of the people I deal with are women, so they're more than happy for a little baby to come along too. (laughs) But a lot of teamwork with my husband and I. So... Because, as I said, there's no family nearby. We only do one day of childcare each week or whatever people call it in their respective location, daycare or other. It's a matter of, you know, Lockie, I've got this coming up. Can you be home in time? And vice versa. So, like last weekend, for example, I I had my inaugural workshop that I had to set up on the day before. So, Lockie went out and worked in the morning, tagged with me, and I went and worked in the afternoon and got home after the kids were in bed and then... In the morning, I had the workshop, so Lockie watched the kids, and then I tagged, and he left and got home at about 10 o'clock finishing his work. So, you know, it's a hot shoe shuffle, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, often you just kind of pass like ships in the night. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, and then the night time, well, the older three all sleep quite well, and so does Herbie. He's only really up once a night, but, but it's still, you know, you still have to take that in your stride. But when you're a parent, you know that you're in for that, unless it's your first. And then it's like, holy moly, what have I got myself into? <laughs> Four time round uh, <laughs> yeah, you're an, an old hand at it now. But I mean, I think even as a as a new parent as well, it, I mean, you know that it's going to be challenging. And if you yeah. don't know, then yeah, I don't well, you know, gotta, you're, you're living under out. a rock, I think. But And you yeah, figure it out pretty fast. 
yeah, well, it's baptism by fire, isn't it? it you, you sink or swim, and, and there's no option, actually. You have to swim because you've got another person's life in your hands. So it's difficult, and, you know, people have their own challenges that they meet along the way. And I, it, it, there's always going to be challenges with parenting. And whether it's my four-year-old who's very assertive and quite bright, so she kind of gets what's going on, or my three-year-old who has meltdowns at the drop of a hat because he's a very emotional character. You know, they've all got their different challenges, but on the flip side of the challenges, like getting uncomfortable in, in life, is the beauty of it. You know, the beautiful moments like the hugs from my children or the, the random things that kids say to you. It's like if, if you didn't put yourself in that situation, you wouldn't find these beautiful, you know, magical moments in life that, that present only through getting uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, a, that's a, a beautiful way to look at it, actually. And Erin, what's your vision for the Stolen Stylist? Well, hopefully this is the future. This is the business that will stay with me because it doesn't feel like work for me at the moment. Obviously, I've just mentioned the workshop that I've done where I do an in, intensive moment of teaching people how to do a wardrobe edit, how to do their own tailored shop, basically giving away all of my tools that I give to people one-on-one and they can take take it home with them with a, some flashcards that, that even detail the clothes that they can have in their wardrobe. Um, so that's, that's here in South Australia. That's moving around the state from the hills to Adelaide, hopefully down to Tassie in the new year, but I'll be in New Zealand, in Wellington, in your hometown there, Chris, early next year. So we'll be taking this abroad as well. So that's, you know, get out of my comfort zone, go back to a place that I love and um, give it a crack over there as well. So... And, and the future beyond that, don't know, which is what's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to when you come to Wellington and uh, it'll be um, good, to, good to catch up. And... Yeah, don't worry, I'll wear shoes this time. I won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wear my tie for you as well. That would be perfect. Yeah. I really do to do that. That would be amazing. Good, good, good. Erin, <laughs> I think, obviously, Herbie's a bit hungry at the moment, so uh, maybe yeah. if we look to kind of wrap things up a wee bit. I have some questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the chat as well. And I can't remember yeah. if I asked, if I sent these through to you or not. By the look uh, on your face, I don't yeah. think I did. But that's all right. I think you did, but okay. I don't know if I really thought about them. <laughs> Sweet. Because <laughs> you followed up by saying this is, is more chit-chat. I'm like, cool, let's go with the flow. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? I did think about that and now I've forgotten. The last uncomfortable thing I did, I guess, was... Oh, a myriad of things. Could even have been as simple as this morning. This morning when I dropped my eldest off at childcare, she didn't want to go. And it was difficult. So she got emotional. The other, my son, Fred, he just ran off into the group and, and as he always does, just gets on with it. But today, Willow was a bit emotional. So I, she didn't want to go in and she wanted more cuddles and, and so on and so forth. So like I do with every other situation, I stop, I take a check. And then I take the time to deal with the situation at the time. So, you know, I gave her the extra hug. I held her hands. I talked to her. And I make a point of always doing that, holding their hands, looking them in the eye and communicating with them, you know. And I've done that with her from a very young age. And I do that with not like holding people's hands, but but I stop and take checks. So if something's wrong, like a girl I know was in a car accident recently, I spoke to her on the phone and I was very clear with what it was so that I could help her get her head around it like I did with my daughter this morning and help me get my head around it and then I move forward so I suppose dealing with the uncomfortable situations that I've been in most recently and moving forward is to stop take a breath and deal with it accordingly yeah very cool 
what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Probably in the near future will be possibly my next workshop. Not that I shy away from them as you know, I don't shy away from uncomfortable situations, but it's a larger group. So it'll be my first larger group. The fact that it might be uncomfortable excites me and I'm really actually looking forward to it. So I suppose when I know something uncomfortable is coming up, I try to shift my mindset and change it from uncomfortable to excited and figure out how I can make that work to my advantage and how I can really, you know, grab it by those horns and make it work. Yeah, and that's that's a really cool tactic as well, actually, because, I mean, discomfort and excitement show up in the body the same way. So if we can just kind of flip our thinking around with it, then you're still experiencing those same physical sensations, but it's just your attitude toward it. And, I mean, you've given us two really great strategies there to approach uncomfortable situations already. Do you have any others that you usually use? Okay, let me think of another another less common uncomfortable situation. <laughs> okay, so let's put it into like an extreme type situation and I'll cast my mind back to the last time I was on a ski slope and I decided to tackle the black runs. And I was a lot over the years, but I've certainly not done a season or anything like that, so I wouldn't call myself an expert. But most certainly I'm, I'm able to do a black run now. But at the time when I decided to, to find out whether or not I could, I was at the top of, of, of a slope that I couldn't see the face of because, you know, black runs are steep. And, and I just, I, I did again, I stopped, I took a breath and I just, I don't know if I closed my eyes or not, but I just pushed myself into it, you know, because there's no other option. Like you can either trick back up the hill to get back to the lift and go back down again but that that's probably more painful than it would be to push yourself in the uncomfortable zone and find out whether you're going to fall or not because thankfully with skiing snow is pretty forgiving um unless it's icy but yeah again i just threw myself into it when it when it was uncomfortable um that's the strategy i either stop take check like i did with willow or like with the skiing situation i threw myself into it and just wholeheartedly went for gold you know and I got to the bottom eventually (laughs) good 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 good. Erin I got a couple of more quick questions for you um but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to to sit down and have a chat with me today it's been awesome to as we were saying it's been a few years since we connected last so it's been it's been a little bit distracted with Herbie like you sort of got it you know so my my Sentences haven't been in a straight line, but that's okay. That's right. I mean, you've, you've had a very coherent conversation, I think. I want to thank you as well for, for the work that you're doing in terms of making making people feel good about themselves and uh, and giving them the confidence to, to take on more uncomfortable situations through through the stuff that you do. So that's, that's really, uh, it's really awesome and it's kind of something that I'll definitely be thinking more about um, how that I can incorporate that into some of the stuff that I do too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's there's certainly opportunity to collaborate there with ideas and whatnot in the future. Mm. So Erin, a couple of quick questions. First one is yep. if people are interested in you, interested in the Stolen Stylist, how can they get in touch? Where can they find out more about you? Well, they can find me on Instagram at the Stolen Stylist or on Facebook also at the Stolen Stylist or on Pinterest, you know, at the Stolen Stylist. Also, my website is www.thestolenstylist.com or they can uh, give me a buzz. Australian number 0417885297, but that's all online. You know, you can find that 
So check me out online. If you want to chat to me, call me. If you want to email me, email me. If people can just, if they want to just chat, that's fine. If they want a service, that's fine too. But I don't want to pressure people into doing things that they don't want to do. But I certainly want to encourage them to get uncomfortable. Nice, nice. And final question for you. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Challenge to reduce your wardrobe so that you can simplify what you've got and make things, you know, challenge yourself to living more simply and see what might come out of that. So whether it's your wardrobe or it's your kitchen waste or um, your grocery shop or other, try and simplify something in your life so and see if that brings about any sort of positivity or joy or contentment or other and let me know how you go. What do you think you can simplify, Chris? That's a good question. I mean, my wardrobe is relatively simple at the moment. I could probably get rid of a couple more things, I guess. Yeah, editing your wardrobe and donating stuff where possible. Yeah, I think in terms of simplification, probably a little bit of my of my daily routine. I think I could be a little bit more structured in regards to the amount of things that I do and the amount of kind of changes uh, of topic that I make during the day. That yes. if I can kind of uh, block chunk things a little bit more and streamline them, I think that yes. would simplify stuff for me. And again, kind of as we talked about before with the decision-making process um, that we you have so many kind of, um, you get decision fatigue after a while. And if I'm kind of, constantly jumping between topics and jumping between ideas then that that wears on me a little bit so I think if I can simplify that and just kind of plan my plan my days plan my weeks a little bit better yes that'll be an interesting to see yeah what comes out of that well my challenge to you specifically Chris is to simplify your daily routine and to those listening as well you know find find something in your life to simplify because I think it will it will bring ease you know to to your day and your routine and your life in general so then you can go and tackle those uncomfortable situations you know with a clear mind so that you can make good decisions in those uncomfortable moments good all right i will work on that and i'll let you know how i get on (laughs) do please do but erin thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today there you have it team i hope you enjoyed that conversation that erin and i had today as you mentioned the idea of trying to simplify your life and, and having a challenge around that is is pretty cool. Often our lives, like our wardrobes, get super, super cluttered. So what I've been doing is I've just been trying to streamline my morning routine a little bit uh, to, to declutter it because there's a lot of things that I know are good for me to do and sometimes I try and cram them all in together uh, all at once. And it just gets a little bit overwhelming trying to fit in everything. So what I've decided to do is I've decided to develop a little bit of a point system with points for each of the activities that are good for me to do in the morning. And I assign each activity like walking the dog or having a cold shower or doing some meditation or some exercise. I assign them a points value and then I need to hit 10 points in the morning before I walk out the door. And that just means that I don't need to do everything in the morning, but that I'm doing enough to look after myself. And that just that just simplifies things a little bit for me. So I'd love to hear how you go with that challenge of, of simplifying things in your life, whether that's your wardrobe or whether that's something else. As I mentioned at the start, 
This week's episode is brought to you by Uncomfortable Media and the Surmount course. Working on strategically getting out of your comfort zone and learning the strategies and the skills to overcome any uncomfortable obstacle so you can take on whatever challenge that you want. Head over to surmountcourse.com, that's S-U-R-M-O-U-N-T, course.com to grab your tickets now, 13th of October here in Wellington. I want to say thank you to Jylan for all his help with editing these podcasts. Thanks so much, mate. It's very much appreciated. And thank you as well to my awesome brother, Jeremy Desmond, for the amazing theme music that comes to you every week. I really enjoy the the theme song that he's come up for with us. On that note, thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with Aaron and I today. Have a great week.